You're listening to a sermon from the Axis Church in downtown Nashville. For more information, please visit theaxischurch.org. Welcome and good morning. I am Daniel Foster, and it's, it's a joy and an honor to be sharing God's Word with you this morning. We are in week four of our Summer in the Psalms series. We're going to be going through Psalm 32, as Pastor Derek and Dave has said already. Um, and if you want to be grabbing a Bible and turning there, or if you want to hop up real quick, Gordon's in the back. He's got some of these psalm cards, Psalm 32 on the front side, some space to write on the back. And uh, uh, while you're doing that, I, I want to introduce myself a little bit for those that might not know me. Um, my wife, Rachel, and I, and, and three awesome kids, Hope, Abigail, and Elijah, by God's grace, were able to walk back through the doors of the Axis Church uh, just about four years ago now. And, and that's just that's God's mercy and grace on us. I graduated from uh, season four of the PLC, and my faith is something that I would have told you nine, ten years ago was very important to me. But nine or ten years ago, you wouldn't know that my faith was important to me by the way that I was living my life. I, I I was what you would call a hypocritical Christian. And, and that's the way that I lived from the time that I was in high school all the way up until about nine or ten years ago. And I would attend church services and be living a completely different life Monday through Saturday. Even, even Sundays after service, I was going back to who I was Monday through Saturday. My, my theology was broken. I, I, I knew it but I didn't have understanding of it. And boiling it down, I was a grace abuser. Just like what we just did in corporate confession, I would acknowledge my sin. I'd acknowledge it to myself. But rarely ever would I take the necessary additional step of confession and repentance. The beautiful step of confession and repentance. And I was not happy. I, I wasn't a happy Christian. I was, in fact, miserable. And I, I needed Jesus to rescue me from myself, from my hypocrisy, and from my sin. And so with all of that, I'm I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into the text in Psalm 32, and hopefully that'll give you some insight as to why I'm giving you this portion of my background. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have gathered us together today. And Lord, we ask that you would use this time to glorify yourself. God, open the ears and minds and hearts in those of us to hear what you would have us hear today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, the Bible I'm reading from titles this psalm, Blessed Are the Forgiven. And we're going to take this chunk by chunk. Psalm 32, a mascal of David. Happy, truly happy. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed, happy is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And starting out in these first two verses, you might see that there's a bit of repetition here, and we'll see some repetition throughout this psalm. 
the use of three different words to make the same statement of sin, transgression, and iniquity. And the idea of, of transgression is of crossing the line, that going too far. And sin is an archery term that means missing the mark. And iniquity is a term that signifies behavior that is bent or twisted. So hopefully you can see here clearly that these words are, are talking about the same thing. And, and this is our default setting. This, this repetition is, is all-encompassing. It doesn't really leave anything out. And this is our natural drift. We, we all fall short of the glory of God and are deserving of punishment and death. But verses 1 and 2 say that blessed, happy, Truly happy are the people who the Lord counts no iniquity. And in Psalm 1, we're taught that blessed is the one that does not walk in the way, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, does not stand in the way of sinners, does not sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and, and he's meditates on it day and night. He studies it all the time. This is one of the ways that we can be blessed. But if we know that our bent, that our, our tendencies and natural inclinations are drifting towards sin, then Psalm 32 tells us of another way that we can be blessed. Christian, we can fight the drift with repentance and, and repentance is turning to God for what we thought we could find somewhere else. And because we strive by the power of the Holy Spirit not to sin, but we fail every single day. And that's why this psalm calls out for confession and repentance. In, in 1 Samuel and even in the New Testament in Acts 13, David is called out as a man after God's own heart. And you would think that a man after God's own heart wouldn't need confession or repentance, but he does. He is the one that needed to pen this psalm about the blessings of repentance. So back nine or, or ten years ago, so when, when I was hiding... When I, was, when I was trying to cover up my sin and, and only acknowledge it and only acknowledge it to myself, not confessing it, I was miserable. Like I said earlier, I was not a happy Christian. I feel, I feel very deeply what David talks about in the next couple of verses. In verse three, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. And this Selah gives us pause to reflect on these first four verses. And we talked a bit about those three words that mean that we fall short of God's glory. And we'll now look at the consequences, not even, not even necessarily the consequences of our sin, 
but the consequences that David had on his physical body trying to cover up his sins. The consequences of trying to hide our sins. Physically, mentally, emotionally, these affected David. And there are are biblical scholars that believe that Psalm 51 and Psalm 32 are tied together and go hand in hand with this, that 51 is where David is confessing his sin and an affair with Bathsheba. And then even more than that, he is confessing his sin of trying to cover up that affair with Bathsheba by murdering her husband Uriah. And in verse 13 of Psalm 51, David says that he will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. And that's what what some scholars believe that the term masculine means, that it is a psalm of teaching. And they believe that this Psalm 32 is a fulfillment of David's promise to teach sinners your ways. And, And what David is saying here is that when he was trying to hide, when he was trying to cover up his sin, it was making him an old man. He, his bones were wasting away. He was, his strength was drying up like he was in a desert with no water. He was groaning all day. And, and maybe you feel this way right now. Maybe you're in a spot where you've got unconfessed sin in your life. You feel like nobody understands what you're going through. Like you're on a desert island alone with your sin and you're wasting away, thinking, man, what's going to happen to me if I'm found out? What's going to happen if I bring this sin into the light? What what is this going to cost me if I make it known what I did? And here in the psalm, David is, is feeling this heavy hand of the Lord upon him. And there's a couple things that I typically lean to uh, when I feel this heavy hand of the Lord. Maybe you guys uh, can relate to this. I, when I'm feeling this heavy hand of the Lord, one of the things that I want to do is I want to try and lift the hand up myself. Get this weight off of me. I'm going to, let me work off this sin. Let me try and do some good things and maybe that'll make up for the sin that I've been carrying around and it won't be as heavy if I can just work some of this sin off. Or... Maybe we're like David in this psalm. Maybe we're trying to hide and we're trying to cover up this sin that we did that maybe God won't know about it. And if we do either one of these things, it won't work. We we can't lift the heavy hand of the Lord ourselves. These are, are drifts of hiding and works. And can I, can I pose something to you that, that this heavy hand of the Lord in all actuality is a gift of God? This heavy hand of the Lord is a gift of mercy and grace. This, this feeling is the kindness of the Lord that draws us into repentance. Christian, this heavy hand of the Lord, it's an assurance that you are a child of God. If if you weren't 
feeling this heavy hand of the Lord because sin has that effect. It will harden our hearts and make us numb to our sins. And if you are not feeling this heavy hand of the Lord, that would be reason for concern. But God, like we talked about in Ephesians, his heavy hand is a gift of mercy and grace that draws you closer to him. And the only way to deal with this heavy hand of the Lord follows in verse 5 where David says, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Here we've got Selah again and and this Selah reflects just one verse. So it's extremely important that we take time here and reflect on this one verse. David has this repetition, just like we saw in verses one and two with transgression, iniquity, and sin, because we have to own up to it all. But there's another repetition here, a repetition of acknowledging, did not cover, and confession. It's a repetition of repentance. And And what happened to David when he made his sin known? When he confessed his sin, he was forgiven. And and that's it's not just for David. This is for us too. This is what Derek talked about in the confession. That why we do it is as a Christian, it's not because we're earning anything, but it's because we have offended the one whom we love. And and we've offended the one that loves us. So Christian, this is for you. This forgiveness is for you. You're forgiven with confession and repentance. You are forgiven. Receive complete forgiveness. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, He is the propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's good news. This word propitiation, it it means that Jesus' substitutionary atoning death on the cross has brought us back into right standing before God if we are in Christ. We're forgiven. Confess your sins and, and you're forgiven. And non-Christian, this is for you too, as it says there, not only ours, but also for the sins of the world. This is how you become a Christian. Repent and believe. The, The blessed person, the happy, healthy, growing Christian is confessing sins and repenting early, often, always, and ongoing. But maybe you think that you're going to be exiled from the church if you confess your sins. Or maybe you think that your sin's not big enough to even bring up. It's, it's just a small thing. It's not that big of a deal. That's how our heart hardens. 
Maybe you're thinking, yeah, but you don't know what my sin is. My sin's not a sin that can be forgiven. Let me encourage you with a couple of passages of Scripture like we had in the assurance of of pardon here. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. In Hebrews 10, 17, God speaking here, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. This, this is where that blessedness, that happiness comes from, that God is the one that is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And he cleanses us of all those big ones that you think are going to exile, be exiled from the church, those small ones that you don't think are, are worth mentioning because one sin is too many. It doesn't matter big or small. God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And he does more than that. He casts them as far away as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. And if we are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for us. When we try to hide and cover up our sins, it's exhausting. We're living dual lives and trying to remember who knows what part of sin that we've committed over here, what lie we've told, and trying to keep those people away from the people that I'm at church with on Sundays, it's overwhelming and draining. Or maybe that was just me. Repenting, confessing, acknowledging, and repenting and receiving the forgiveness that comes from God through the blood of Jesus Christ is what brings about this blessedness, this, this happiness. So in verse 6, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. And so David is moving into a teaching portion here where he's letting everyone know to offer prayer to God now while, they're, while God can still be found. Because there, there will come a day when it will be too late. And here David uses a word picture that would be very familiar with the people of Israel. A rush of great waters would bring back to memory the flood of the days of Noah. And as in that time, God has a timeline. And Noah and his family were the only ones that were kept alive on the ark. But be encouraged because Jesus, in his portion of the Sermon on the Mount, he he tells us in Matthew 7, 7 and 8, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. 
Jesus is telling us here that anyone, anybody that seeks him will find him. And in this Psalm 32, David is giving us the same exhortation to reach out to God, to confess our sins and make right with the one that we love and the one that loves us while there's still time. Because what David found in his confession, it was compassion and forgiveness. And he found even more than that. He takes up his discourse with God in in verse 7 where he says, You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. Here's Selah again to reflect. And and this is a big turnaround from verses 3 and 4. It's still David, the same one who was wasting away and groaning out all day long in verses 3 and 4. And and now in verse 7, he's finding a hiding place in God. He's finding protection from troubles. And maybe some of these troubles are attacks of the enemy wanting you to believe, wanting you to think that you don't deserve forgiveness. Psalm 91 comes to mind that Adam Hall brought us a couple of weeks ago about dwelling with God, receiving the forgiveness that he gives because I can find myself dwelling on sin that I've already been forgiven of instead of dwelling with God. This is another drift that we have to fight by the power of the Holy Spirit to dwell with God because what we find is when we are dwelling with God, the shouts of deliverance are going to be surrounding us and they are going to be overwhelming us and they are going to be drowning out the shouts of condemnation that come from the enemy. Remember Romans 8.1, there is now therefore no condemnation. And remember the refuge of God from Psalm 91, where in verse 2 he says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And this trust is because, as Adam reminded us a couple weeks ago, that the Lord is tried and true. He's already proven it in Jesus. And from here, David continues his teaching portion in verse 8 where he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. And so here it's like David is, is taking up the voice of God and instructing the people The Lord's eye will be upon you in counsel. Don't don't be stubborn. Don't don't be without understanding. A horse and a mule are animals that are extremely difficult to get them to do what you want them to do if you don't have a bit and bridle in their mouth. And they don't want to stay near you. Going back to verse 3 and 4, David has understanding of this, that when, when we are hiding when we're trying to cover up our own sin, we don't want to be near God. We don't want to go to Him. This is evident 
all the way back in the original sin of Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3, once they realized that they had sinned, what did they do? They went and hid. Right? God is the one that sought them out. When, when we're hiding our sin, it's God's heavy hand that is a grace and a mercy upon us that, that's actually his kindness that leads to repentance. Verse 10, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And here there's a, a quick touch on the wicked, but it's very much worth mentioning. Because outside of Christ, we are the wicked. And when we are hiding our sins, when we are walking in the way of the wicked, to borrow from Psalm 1, we are not the blessed that is spoken of. But our sorrows are multiplied, like in verses 3 and 4. But when we walk in the light, when we walk in repentance and we receive the forgiveness, we are by the power of the Holy Spirit walking out our trust in God and His steadfast love surrounds us. And then in this, in this last bit of repetition here, I love this last repetition, we are able to be glad in the Lord. We are able to rejoice in Christ's righteousness. We are able to shout for joy because Jesus has given us his righteousness. He's given us his upright heart in exchange for our sins. We're able to be glad and rejoice and shout for joy because the Lord's steadfast love surrounds us. It never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. And so now before we close out in a time of communion, I, I wanted to leave some time here, some intentional time, because we've been talking about confession and repentance. And I, I know that we had our corporate confession just a bit ago. We had our time of silence for personal prayer and confession, but maybe, maybe we were distracted. Maybe we were still trying to hide our sins and cover them up. Just acknowledging them, not confessing and repenting. So I want to encourage you here, take these moments and then we'll prepare for communion. You've been listening to a sermon from the Axis Church in downtown Nashville. For more information, please visit theaxischurch.org.